0: of the mine when a timber cracked and men started crying miners were praying and hearts beat fast, everybody felt that they breathed their last, except John through the dust and the smoke of this man made hell, walked a giant of a man that the miners knew well grabbed a sagging timber and gave out with a groan, and like a giant oak tree just stood there alone, Big John Big John Big John, Big Bad John, Big John. And with all of his strength he gave a mighty shove, Then a miner yelled out, there's a light up above, And twenty men scrambled from a would-be grave, Now there's only one left down there to save, Big John. With jacks and timbers they started back down, Then came that rumble way down on the ground, And smoke and gas belched out of that mine Everybody knew it was the end of the line for Big John Big John Big John Big Bad John Big John Now they never reopened that worthless pit They just placed a marble stand in front of it These few words are written on that stand at the bottom of this mine lies a big, big man, Big John. Big John, Big John, Big Bad John, Big John, Big John, Big John. Big John. Big John. <laughs>
1: This is Our Numinous Nature, and I'm your host, Philippe. We'll be hearing the profound stories of people with a deep connection to the natural world, from herbalists to hunters, wildlife rehabilitators to trappers, artists to homesteaders. The list goes on. My hope is to thread a needle that weaves together the many nature-related passions through stories of reverence. In nature, I've found meaning a richness for life that grows with each new day. Maybe you feel the same, or maybe you long to. (laughs) Big John, big bad John. So special thanks goes out this week to Jim Cook on YouTube, who has let me play a handful of his covers of some of those uh, classic minor ballads. So throughout this episode, we had Big Bad John in the intro, Dark as a Dungeon later on, and Call Daddy from the Mine for the outro. So thank you to Jim. Now on topic, our guest today is Matt Frame. Uh, Matt is a outdoorsman, he's the son of a Baptist preacher, and he is a coal miner. So, the topic of coal mining is not particularly one of my interests, but uh, having moved out here to Appalachia, doing this podcast with a lot of real deal Appalachians, um, there's been a caver on one of the early episodes who is from Southwestern Virginia. Um, I've talked to Les Odell in West Virginia, the paranormal investigator. Um, the episode with Mike Oosley, the incredible folk artist. Um, Stevie Holbrook down in Kentucky, when I was doing the episode about the Kentucky floods, uh, the episode about the Hatfields and McCoys with the museum director. Uh, in all of these episodes, uh, coal mining has come up. It's just part of the culture of the region, it's a major part of the history. And, uh, you know, as many people know, part of still the economy in those regions. Um, so, I was feeling at some point I'm going to have to do some podcasts about coal mining. Um, And I thought, how incredible would it be to hear a podcast from an actual coal miner? What is that life like? What is it like to work in those conditions? What are some of the folklore, some of the history? And um, this one was not planned. Um, Matt just has become a friend. And uh, through some outdoor pursuits, through some trapping, and when he said that he was a coal miner, I was like, man. And he started telling me a bunch of stories, I was like, man, it would be really, really cool to do a podcast. So I'm super glad that he he actually prayed whether or not to do this episode. And I'm so honored that the answer was yes. Now, when it comes to coal mining, I'm sure there are some uh, instantaneous associations that some people might have, one of which is politics. That I'm not interested in at all. Um, another is environmental concerns. Uh, I certainly have learned uh, a, a reasonable amount through working for some nonprofits about coal mining and the environment, and and I certainly don't like seeing a stripped mined uh, mountaintop or um, anything like that, or learning about uh, polluted creek or some stuff like that. But um, but that's not the focus with today's episode. But today is just I wanted to know what is it like to work in a mine when mining is. The best job you can possibly get in the area you're from, and what are some of those? Uh, what are some of the, kind of the the interesting and beautiful cultural elements, folkloric elements, and some of the history? Um. Now, I think my main, I think my major takeaway when I was editing this episode and going through it is that I kind of felt a sense of melancholy just um, just this feeling that for how many hundreds of years have men sacrificed their bodies for their families and for being able to get some food on the table etc I mean you'll hear in this episode our guest today Matt he's missing three fingers from an accident down in the mine and you're gonna hear the the conditions that um, the likes of his his grandfather, when he worked in the mines, what it was like, and just kind of some of the death toll, and uh, yeah, just I kind of felt somber at what I guess humans just kind of what humans have gone through just to get by in life. So, anywho, um, later on we get into some of the outdoors and some of Matt's uh, religious his faith. And um, those are really exciting too. We we barely scratched the surface regarding the outdoors. I mean, Matt goes out in the summer and looks for rattlesnake dens. Um, he has a buddy that was trapping uh, bobcats that would be collared by the state for research. We didn't get into any of that stuff, which would have been awesome. Um, but uh, Matt is, I went out after recording this episode, I went out with him and his, three sons to take some photos of them trying to trout fish on this little stream. And I was so impressed at their, um, it was almost like I was with a tribe. Like I was walking behind them because I was taking some pictures, some black and white film pictures. And um, just the way that they were like scanning the environment, they're they're looking at every plant, the trout lilies, these uh, little berries. I don't know what they were, turkey berries or something uh, on the ground. They're noticing every little... Disturbed leaf, they're you know they they're just picking up on everything, saying turkey's been right there, deer's been over there, just incredible outdoors um, mastery. They can really read the woods, and I was so impressed by him and his sons, and uh, and since recording this episode, I went to see his father uh, preach on Easter Sunday, and we really enjoyed that too. And um, so thank you to Matt for doing this episode. And uh, I hope you kind of see a window into another life. And just a little note about the recording of this episode. We did this one around the campfire at his um, cabin um, with his whole family there. So his wife was sitting across from us, um, his, two sons three sons at the end and even a uh, i think one of his son's girlfriends so it was that was kind of interesting to me too because usually i just do these episodes one-on-one i like it that way but this uh the whole vibe was more of a family vibe and a community vibe in many ways Um, so anywho let me say thank you to everyone on patreon our new sponsor on patreon is Paige Vanny. thank you very much um, at the highest tier, Jess Paget. Thank you. You up to your pledge. I really, really appreciate that. Kendall wine, Ash Baron, Rachel Hawkshaw of Topsy farms on Stanley, Diana Gonzalez, Earl Suter, Franklin Renshaw, Heron O'Brien, Jamie Nudd, James Mann, Jeff, Kenneth Giles, Leslie Peterson Cohen, Michelle Alderson, Nathan Griffin, Ryan Arnold, Rambler, Ryan Goeckner, Sophie McVicker. Steve Childs, Tristan Harper, Tyler Lively, Waterlight, and the Working Class Woodsman, and everyone at the lower tiers. Thank you all. This is definitely helping. Uh, as you know, from if you listen to the last episode, I have bought some new gear, which is going to help with uh, remote episodes in the future. I've got some ideas to people I want to contact across America for different uh, various topics. So thank you for your support. Uh, links to everything are in the show notes. Now, for today's reading, it seems only fitting that we are going to be reading some mining lore from West Virginia. This has been compiled by the Frank and Jane Gabor West Virginia Folklife Center. They have helped this podcast on multiple episodes with helping me find guests in West Virginia um, on different folkloric uh, interests. So, they have a journal where they explore different uh, folkloric topics. And um, it is called Traditions of West Virginia, Folk Culture and Educational Awareness. Uh, And in volume nine from 2004, which is all about uh, mining lore and storytelling, uh, I will be reading two excerpts about a very special critter down in the mines. Now on Easter Sunday, after Matt's father preached at church, We were sitting around to lunch and I said, Matt, I've just been reading this folklore out of this journal. I'm gonna include it on the podcast episode. And Matt knew all about the topic. So I busted out my phone and I had him make a few comments that I included before this reading.
0: Dark tree
1: Okay, let me hear about the rats down in
2: the mine. Rats, uh, yeah, you always take care of the rats in the mines. Uh, the mice, field mice, rats come in, mostly on your supplies. Well, you always take care of them because they know when something is going to happen. They, they, like if there's going to be a big roof fall or whatever, they can detect it before you can. So the rats and things start coming out or start you start seeing them run around before a big some big event will happen so you always try to take care of the rats
1: so when you mean take care of the rats you mean when you're a miner you let the, the rats live and you right
2: you feed them you leave them some food
1: you feed the rats yeah yeah so because the rats will let you know if, if there's about to be a disaster
2: right they're the first ones to know it they'll start scurrying around so when you start seeing them run around frantically yeah it's your alarm.
1: It's your alarm. Informant John Wood, 1962, as told to him by his grandfather. When I was a small boy, my grandfather told me about working in the mines. He said that he always marveled about the instincts of the big black mine rats. The rats were so smart they could climb up the miners lunch buckets and wrap their tails around the handle they would then jump down pulling the lids off with their tails and eat the food and drink the water in the buckets the old miners knew that these same rats that were eating their food and drinking their water might someday mean life or death to them therefore they did not mind it would often leave food and water out for the rats to eat however The young miners just starting to work in the mines resented the rats and tortured them. Grandfather told me about a young miner who hated the rats so much that he would run a wire from the high voltage circuit into the water in his dinner pail. So when the rats would start to drink, it would electrocute them. The old miners warned him he had better leave the rats alone, because someday they might save his life. He just laughed at this warning one day all the rats started running to a different area in the mine the old miners knew immediately what to do they followed the rats and told the young miners to come with them all of the young miners went except the one that hated the rats so much the old miners yelled for him to come with them but he told them to go right ahead and follow the rats that he was going to stay right here all at once there was a loud rumble the mine was caving in All the miners that had gone with the rats made it out of the mine safely. But the young miner who stayed behind was killed. Informant, George Kosky, 1958, as told to him by his grandmother, who lived in Hutchinson, Marion County, West Virginia. The cold mines at Hutchinson had many rats in them. When my grandfather was hired, he was told not to kill the three-legged rat. There was a legend of this famous rat named Mac. It was said that this particular rat had saved many men's lives. After working the mines for a few days, my grandfather became closely attached to the rat. He fed him meat, cheese, and bread. Three weeks after my grandfather was hired, the payoff came. He was loading a car by hand. When the rat came suddenly rushing in and grabbed grandfather's pant leg grandfather said i'll kill that rat grandfather at first tried to run the rat off he then picked up a shovel and chased the rat with it as soon as he left the place where he was the whole roof caved in the three-legged rat had saved grandfather's life from that day on the rat led grandfather to his area of work about a year later a very odd thing happened The rat was walking ahead of Grandfather. Suddenly, he stopped, sensing a danger of some unknown kind. Grandfather knew something was wrong, so he just stood there for a few moments. The walls began to shake and the whole area fell in. Mac had saved Grandfather again. The old-timers of the area feel that Mac, their hero, is still alive and ready to protect them.
0: It's dark as a dungeon Time as the dew, danger is double, pleasures are few, where the rain never falls, the sun never shines, it's dark air.
2: we are in the highlands of uh, west virginia that and that's the name of this region right 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 no west virginia highlands allegheny highlands as i guess is what you'd want to call it. but in uh in a very one of the most beautiful places i think in in the world so. i think so too yeah
1: Well, we shouldn't say that too much. And we're here
2: at your, this is your camp. This is my camp, yes.
1: And you, so you live like two hours
2: away? Two, yes, two hours.
1: And that's not, um, is that out of the Allegheny Highlands? That's like the- Uh,
2: No, that would be right. They would call that on the plateau. That's what they call that part, the plateau, right before you start up into the highlands.
1: So I thought, well, first of all, I joined you checking your line for like, three days for a week, you were doing a little trap and I drove around with you and we just talked about all, you and your son. Um, it was just really cool. And uh, it, we met at the local mechanics place and we were ta- I was talking about trapping and then you started showing me some pictures of your bobcats and coyotes. And so we sparked kind of a friendship based on uh, trapping out here. And I'm still very new to all that stuff. But from talking with you for like, you know, th- that one week, learning that, uh, you know, your profession, you're a coal miner. I have never heard like, what is the life of a coal miner? Like I've never heard a coal miner talk for an hour about what that's like. So I personally find it very interesting. You you know, I'm not from here, but every time I do a podcast about Appalachia, you know, I've interviewed folk artists. I've interviewed a curator of a museum in West Virginia, um, herbalists, you know, anytime I interview someone from West Virginia, coal mining always comes up. So I thought, well, I have to do a podcast or multiple on the topic. I know there's a lot of folklore, like there are old-time songs about it and everything like that. So I just thought it would be cool to hear what your life is like. I mean, you've told me a bunch already, but to record it.
2: Yeah, uh, very rough. Um, Actually, I started in coal mines because it was either you either work in the coal mines or you log around here. Logging didn't have a whole lot of, I mean, you don't make a lot of money logging so then you go to the coal mines so that's i went to coal mines i was i was working at a mill i was making 11 75 an hour i quit working at the mill and started working in coal mines for 25 cents an hour more Hmm. but once i got my uh my black hat, which you're an apprentice at first, they call that your red hat. Once you get your black hat, I was going to be making fifteen dollars an hour. So, it was all money. That was what I was after. It was money.
1: And I mean, so, like out here and in certain
2: regions of West Virginia, that is the best that's gig that. you can get. That's all. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's the best you're going to get.
1: Now, it now did your often when I like I interviewed a folk artist, like his dad was a miner, or I've interviewed a caver, his brother was a miner. Was it, Were your family members before you, or were you...
2: Yeah. Um, both my grandpas worked in the coal mines. Okay. Um, my uncles, they all worked in the coal mines. My dad worked in the coal mines. He just went in a time or two and decided that wasn't for him. So he ended up going and working for the phone company, and he ended up being an engineer for the phone company. So he done good, probably better than what we could have done in the coal mines, So he, he did, he done good. So lo, the Lord blessed him hmm. in that. So, yeah,
1: and your, your brother does too, right? Yeah. Both like my that.
2: brothers work okay. in coal mines. Yeah.
1: So what is it like? What is your day like?
2: Uh, wake up at five in the morning. That's what I done. Five o'clock in the morning, get there, uh, put all your mining clothes on. Um, and then go down off over to ma- over into what they call the pit and get on a man trip. And roughly, the, the furthest I have been is 11 miles. Down, underground? Underground, 11 miles, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. So how do you, um, is there, are there like elevators that take you down or is there no, a railway that, or what? No, that why?
2: didn't. This was what they would call a slope. Um, they start up and they slope down to the coal seam and that's where how they get their what they call a pit. They it was probably from your main surface down. Whenever they made the slope, it was probably a hundred and fifty foot down, and then you, they hit the coal seam. And then from there on, it was uh, most of your coal seams will run downhill. They run from east to west downhill. Hmm. So, and some of them's this one is pretty much gradual downhill all the way down. We was back in there about nine miles.
1: But what is that? You're not walking nine miles. No,
2: they got little main trips. They call them man trips. You ride on track, like almost like railroad track.
1: Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah,
2: yeah, and they're battery powered. Some of them are diesel powered. Everything we ever had was battery powered.
1: And then, are you in there until nighttime?
2: Yeah. Well, we worked uh, ten hour shifts. Wow. So. Yeah, and then and really, you're passing the other crew whenever their your shift's done. When you're going outside; they're coming in. So it's twenty.
1: There's cons- all twenty-four. 24-hour? Yeah,
2: twenty-four hours. Twenty-four seven. There's
1: people mining.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Now, one of the things I wouldn't have known is like, you know, back in the day, like, how did your your grandparents, your granddads, were they? They must have been doing it with like a like a pick.
2: Right, pick. Yeah pick, and then a hand drill and shot it. That's what they did. What was that third thing? They shot it. So it they shot yeah, it? Yeah. With black powder. Okay. So they blow up. Black powder offices. and dynamite.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. They drill a hole, put your uh, black powder, or when well, then they went to dynamite, you put your dynamite in there and set it off, and then it go in there and shovel it out.
1: And you hope that it doesn't cave in
2: and everyone... <laughs> well, that's the hope of everybody. <laughs> it don't cave in, which... Yes, I have seen a cave-in, so it is scary, especially whenever you're in a place you're working, uh, you've worked, went through there all day long, be working in another area, and then come through, and there it's all laying on the ground, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So you narrowly really missed it. Right.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, but, so you guys, you're more, like, operating, like, a, a big, like, drill or saw type rock saw like what is it what are you doing well like pushing
2: a machine yeah it's called a continuous miner which you can get on internet and look all this stuff up um which it cuts the coal and then you got a shuttle car that's what i run most time a shuttle car you come up in the miner loads you is what it does it's got these drums on it and it's got these big old bits and it cuts that coal and then it's got conveyor on it, gathering arms is what it's called. And then it just shoots it right out the back, right onto the shuttle car. Then okay. You, then you take it to the belt, and it's all belted out. All the coal's belted outside.
1: So you would drive, drive You would drive, it, drive
2: yeah. the coal out? Yeah, out so far. Uh, most time, three or four brakes away, what they call a brake. And then you dump it on a what they call a feeder. And then uh, it dumps it onto the belt. Okay. And in the belt, you got nine... Ten miles of belt line. Okay. It, and it takes it takes a good while for it to get outside. So. Now,
1: when I've looked at like old photos, you would see people would they would use like small like donkeys, small horses, right. and yeah. stuff like that. Right. So to talk about that, would your grandparents? Were they doing uh, it? Like well,
2: dog? my grandpa, which some of them what they called was dog holes. Um, you had that was your lowest was a dog hole. You had dog hole pony holes. And then your bigger seam of coal, you could get uh, mules and everything else in.
1: Well, talk about a dog hole.
2: A dog hole was roughly, probably anywhere from eighteen to twenty-four inches high.
1: So two om- less than two feet. So less it's like caving. Three. You're like crawling into a cave.
2: Right. It's like going caving. Right. And they used dogs to pull that coal out with.
1: Was there a certain breed of dog they you No. Okay. No. So the dog, what, but so how did that work? Was the dog it, rigged up to a to railway?
2: A, to a rail. Yeah. Wooden, because what they used back then was wooden rails. Okay. Yeah.
1: So the the dog would be pulling a cart.
2: Pulling a cart, yeah. Out
1: of the hole. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and you say <said> your granddad <laughs> would have been doing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, most of that was uh, roughly in the early 1900s up until probably 1920s, 30s, they were still using... Um, animals to pull pull coal out, hmm. um, which they didn't go back as far. Them old mines, okay, they sure. didn't they didn't go back all them because they didn't have the air. We had big fans that was pushing air. You got fans pushing air, fans pulling air, sucking in, pulling the air through the mine. So yeah, and and a lot of times back in. They would they they'd have two or three entries that's what it, that's what it's called where you're going into the mountain you got entries um they would actually build a fire at one end of the entry to pull air through
1: wow, yeah so yeah. what what is that all about? Is that because you wouldn't be able to
2: breathe right it would right you would eventually run out of oxygen you couldn't get enough oxygen back in there to to breathe well that's what they call black damp black damp, black damp, yeah. Wow! Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've never heard of that caving, or
1: no, I've never heard yeah. of anything. But maybe because you're constantly breaking the rock, you it would be. I don't hard know. To well, I don't
2: know that, or it's so far back, and you're there's a lot of methane in there. Hmm. But black damp, you can actually. Um, a long time ago, people would actually them old coal miners. You could be three or four feet from a man, and him be standing there, and he'd be in black damp, and you wouldn't. He'd fall over dead. Are you serious? Yeah, not even know. would just collapse and fall over dead. And then Is it something? Like just, it'd be just there? like a pocket, yeah, of no oxygen. Yeah, there's no oxygen. Wow. And most time it would be the methane that would rise towards the top and they'd be standing up in like a little hole or something. Or just a little and all that methane would drive the oxygen out, because methane mm. was lighter than oxygen. And you'd be sitting there, and they said that you could be sitting there talking to them, and then they just fall over dead.
1: My God. I mean, it's a rough business right. for the guys down in there.
2: But nowadays, you got plenty of air. So,
1: so so now they have fans continually oh yeah, moving everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're looking at um is what we always had to have, I think, coming down the intake was 35,000 cubic feet of air a minute. Hmm. So, and that's quite a bit. That's a lot of air.
1: Now, uh, you know, learning a little bit about the history of mining, I certainly you get into stuff like black lung. Is that still an issue with oh, modern yeah.
2: miners? Uh, black lung and mainly right now silicosis. So, what is that? It's particles getting in your lungs? Yeah. Uh, silicosis is your sand rock. Um, that's the big thing right now.
1: So, when sandstone gets pulverized yeah. into
2: tiny particles, yeah. and it gets inside of your lungs? Right. And uh, silicosis is actually worse than black lung. Hmm. Um, the further it goes, the worse it gets. It really starts to actually just cuts your lungs up is mm-hmm. what like just piece like of glass, glass. yeah, Whew.
1: yeah, man, that's nasty,
2: yeah that's that's what, and black lung's bad, but that silicosis is a whole lot worse. Um, what is
1: black lung? it's the coal,
2: yeah, coal, okay, yeah, but we they they cut so much rock now with those continuous miners, which a long time ago they didn't they couldn't cut it, but you can actually cut rock well, that puts out more of that. Saying rock silica in the rock is what it is, and uh, yeah, you start breathing it, and it's non stop. I, I know one man I worked with, he ran a miner for a long for quite a few years, and within he was uh, diagnosed with the uh, black lung to start with, and then within two years. Um, he was right down to needing lung transplants and he didn't make it. He died before they could even get him any lungs. How old? Uh, he was 55, I think, 55. Mm. Um, but after they, you know, he actually had silicosis. It wasn't black lung, it was just hardening of the lungs, the more the, it just kept getting worse. Mm. But yeah, it was silicosis, is what it was.
1: Hmm. so are, is everyone it's like you and all your buddies that do this are you all nervous about that
2: yeah i think about it yeah hmm. yeah i mean i've been under there actually the one that died that man that died i used to run a shuttle car behind him and at times it'd be so dusty i couldn't even i couldn't hardly see him so
1: oh could so he the would particles... be he
2: would be five six feet away from me so yeah, it yeah, gets you like think fog, oh, not yeah. fog,
1: but it gets particled up oh, so you yeah. can
2: see. Yeah, you can't see nothing. Whew. Yeah.
1: It's interesting that obviously I've never been in a coal mine, but I have done a quite a bit of caving. So I get kind of the idea of what it's like. You know, okay, this when I go caving, we'll go for five hours. By the end of five hours, I'm like, Gimme the hell out of here. <laughs> like, so how do you like I need to get out? Like, let me see some light. Yeah. So I mean, did it take a really long time to... You're in, like, perpetual darkness. Dark
2: Especially, yeah. In the winter Um I remember telling my brother-in-law, which me and him worked, worked together, um, in the wintertime, it gets dark at 5.30. Um, we get outside at 4.30. And I told him many times, we might as well go to Alaska and work. Exactly. Because we never seen daylight. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, you know, in Alaska, people have like people get depressed and stuff. Right. You're not getting enough right. sunlight. You need right. sunlight.
2: Right. I did. I, I I went through it. I think that was a lot of it was my depression was, I, I didn't get no, yeah, I didn't get no sunlight. And I think that that is one reason. I'm just going to tell you, coal miners are very rough. Uh, um, What would you call it? Uh, really, you don't have a whole lot of feelings, I guess. What feelings you do, they're kind of... You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you kind of think. Think of the word to say. Um, uh, anyway, we're just not really. Our feelings are. Don't matter. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah.
1: Well, it makes sense. It's
2: such a and, hard environment. Right, and I think a lot of that comes from depression. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, you don't. Yeah, I mean, I I know my boys. At times, you know, I didn't really have no sympathy. Maybe that's maybe that's what I'm looking for. You don't have no sympathy for anybody. You know, I'm hurting. I'm sick. I'm. I don't care, buddy. Get up and let's go.
1: Mm.
2: You know, and that was the mindset. Um, even my boys, I they'd be they'd get hurt or something. But huh, buddy, you man up. and Let's go. Mm. And it's like you didn't have no feelings. Mm. I guess.
1: Wow. You know, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get too fanciful already, but I guess I will. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I know you're a very religious person. Oh, yeah. It's your, it's kind of being like you're in the underworld all day long. Yeah, you're, yeah. It's like Dante's Inferno, the realms of hell, which is a Christian story, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's it's like uh, you're down in the underworld, this rocky uh, black underworld all day long.
2: All day. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you do work, if you work evening shift or who dials. Which is the night shift? You do see day, but most everybody sleeps right through the day. So, right, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I enjoyed coal mining. I did. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the job. Um, at times, it was very rewarding. Mm. What? Um, what is rewarding about uh, it? Uh, beating the other shift. That was my main goal. Being production. The best. Yeah, on yeah. top all the time, and and really. Uh, A lot of times our shift, our crew was top all the time. Mm. And that was something, you know, we took pride in, maybe a little bit too prideful. Um, But yeah, yeah, we was, that was, that was it, being on top. Mm. So, yeah, I remember
1: I asked you, do you, because I remember when we were talking in the car, you were in, you were taking a break from work. Yeah. And you were also um, trying to figure out what you're doing next. Yeah. And I I asked you, do you like coal mining? And I was surprised to hear you say, yeah. Yeah. Because I also, I was surprised because you had told me about, like, you know, you've gotten hurt a bunch.
2: Yeah, I'm actually, I actually uh, lost three fingers in the coal mines. Um, I've been hurt quite a few times, but that was my worst.
1: Well, will you tell the story about that hand?
2: Uh, Yeah, I was... Just it was my second load. Just got in. I was actually on evening shift, and I'll tell. You, I'll just start the whole story. Um, it was the first day or no, wasn't the first day of squirrel season, it was on a Monday, uh, of the first week of squirrel season. And I and I told my boy because I didn't get to take him, I had to work Saturday, and which I'd slept all day because I was on evening shift, slept, didn't really get to go hunting. So I told him because we was off on Sunday. I said, "Buddy, I'll take you Monday morning, I'll take you squirrel hunting." So we went squirrel hunting, killed a few squirrels. Um, then just got home, cleaned the squirrels up, run off to work. Um, got pictures of I got pictures of myself that day. My wife has them somewhere um, of me holding my oldest boy and holding squirrels. Um, and I still had my fingers. You don't think, you know, three or four hours later, they're gone, you know. But went in there, second load I got, which there's there's hills underground, just the same as there's you know hills uh, here on, on the on the surface, especially in the same cold that I was working in. It's up and down on it's it's everywhere. But there was a big old steep hill, and I went up and was making the turn the whole shuttle car which what i was running slid down off the hill pinched my hand against the corner of the rib and the shuttle car and so yeah that's how i lost that
1: well then what happened i mean Uh, describe so so basically the shuttle car slid, slid
2: yeah and i was pinned my hand was pinned against the rib and the shuttle car and so there i sat um and I knew, I pinched my fingers because there's a little handle there. I pinched my fingers. I pinched my pinky first. I felt that, and I pinched my other ones. Couldn't feel it, so I knew that they was off. And so I tried to get some some people's attention, which you, you couldn't hear. You can't hear nothing. And it's so loud under there. So finally, one, a guy come down through there, and he said, what's going on? I told him. And he kind of went into hysterics and left. So there I was by myself again. That started hurting. By then, so I just went ahead and pulled off of it myself. I didn't. I was afraid I was going to rip my pinky off. So I was kind of, you know, hesitant. And well, then finally, I just said, you know, no matter. I had to get off of it. So I pulled off of it. Missed my pinky. Everything was fine except for I lost my pointer finger, my middle finger, and my ring finger. You pulled out of of the pinch. Well, no, I pulled my machine off the side of it. I mean, I drove it off the side of it. Yeah. While having your hand stuck. Yeah.
1: And I mean, you showed, well, your son showed me the picture. Yeah. And it is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> your wife is nodding her head over there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it hurt, Um. which I sat there and I, you know, I joked around about it the best I could. Um, I didn't cry. Um, which that was part of, I wasn't gonna cry around a bunch of men wanted to but I didn't um, say so it was actually one boy passed out he seen it passed out so.
1: now did you want to cry out of pain or out of like pain totally yeah, freaked out?
2: pain yeah it hurt mm-hmm. it hurt bad um actually when I got outside which we was about seven miles in when that happened um got outside so so your your hand is
1: just a mess. Your yeah. fingers are still on, but they're all ripped off. Yeah, the, yeah. the three middle ones are yeah. all broken up, so they're hanging all over the place. Yeah, and all bloody.
2: Yeah, because
1: yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah. So then they drove you out of that mine. Yeah,
2: and then the ambulance was there, which I got in the ambulance. And that woman, she asked me, she uh asked me if it was hurting and you know what the pain was. I told her, you know, between one and ten. I remember telling her this. I was sitting there. She said, on a scale, because she hadn't, my hand, they just kind of wrapped it up a little bit. And I got in the ambulance, and I was, And she said, on a scale of 1 to 10, how's your pain? I said 10, and I kind of chuckled. And I said, if it hurts any worse, I said, I'm going to pass out. And I kind of laughed, and she kind of laughed, you know. But she took that off her, and she said, oh, my goodness. I said, I told you I was hurt. <laughs> She said, I'm going to get you something here in just a second. And she put that in IV, morphine, I guess is what it was. Mm. Yeah. I didn't feel nothing. And I actually, whenever she gave me that, I was laying there and I told her, I said, I can go ahead and go finish my shift now. <laughs> and she laughed. She thought that was funny. <laughs> but yeah, I could have too. I'm serious. Y'all go finish my shift.
1: <laughs> so did you know that they were going to go?
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You knew
1: those fingers are gone.
2: Yeah. So yeah. then,
1: at the hospital, they told you were they amputate him?
2: Yeah, which I don't. I was out of it. Um, I know they come and got my wife, and I know I, I think they told her that my ring finger he might be able to save it, but it would be sticking straight out. And she told him no, he ain't gonna want that. So,
1: is that would that be on your wedding side?
2: Yeah. Oh, I see, yeah. but. He said afterwards. He said that wouldn't uh, he wouldn't have been able to save it anyway. So. But yeah, that would be my ring finger.
1: So how long did it take you to get used to having a hand missing?
2: Three- Still not really used to it. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The first, I, you know, I didn't. Of course, meeting you, I didn't know if it's okay to ask about it. But the, when I finally decided to, you were setting a trap. You were yeah. setting like a, uh, like a coyote style trap, mm-hmm. and I was just like, uh, you know. Seeing you, how you know, is difficult because all you got is the thumb and the pinky trying right. to set down right. one of the yeah. one of the springs. Right, and um that's when I brought it up. And then your son, I don't know how he had the picture so fast. He's got like the yeah. picture saved. Yeah, he's farm. got it on
2: his phone somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it was trying. Um I, You have to learn how to do everything all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that frustrated me, Um like. I always had farm equipment, my tractor, I'd go, that was what aggravated me the worst, was trying to get my implements right after it happened on my tractor. And yeah, I'd get so frustrated and get mad and aggravated, but I I worked through it. If it wasn't for the Lord, yeah, I would have never made it. What's the hardest thing to do without those fingers? Ah, Hardest thing, probably splitting wood Mm. with, yeah, that which I used to do it with one hand I did I'd split wood with one hand and I'd done everything with my right hand which the doctor did tell me you know he's like because I told him I said I'm going back to work in the coal mines and he said I don't think I do that he said you're gonna wear your right right arm out and uh I was bullheaded and went ahead and went back to work in the coal mines I worked quite a few more years in the coal mines and then I started having trouble with my right arm and stuff yeah and it is, it it had really tore you know, made but I'm I'm getting back better than what I was anyway. And I think that would led to some of my depression that I did have was pridefulness, not being able to do what I could, you know. The older I got, yeah, you know, the less I could do. And yeah, it really really played you know, played on my mind.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, where your body is Given wearing out,
2: right? And yeah,
1: you're working a job that is doing it faster than everybody else right. around you,
2: right? Yeah, and but in my mind, I didn't look at it that way. Mm. You know, I ought to be able to just, you know, 65, 70 years old, retire, and still be just as fit as a fiddle, I guess. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's wore me out.
1: And didn't, didn't you say it's also hard on your back?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I have.
1: Is it because, is it because, so I, like I said, I've been caving a lot. Are you having to, um. Are you having to kind of be uh Bent over. bend over. Yeah. Like have your head scrunched right. down a lot?
2: Head, yeah. Your neck's always inside or you know, you can't lift. Like you can't case. stand straight up no. in a lot of these. Some bikes. no. Some place sometimes you can, but sometimes you can't. Hmm. Um, so you're, you're always all day long in a bind.
1: S- pushing this uh,
2: this mining machine. Or the other guy is. Well, it's all it's all motorized. I mean, you don't manually do it. Oh, you don't push the machine? No. No, it's all powered. So, you're just Electric. standing there? You're, the minor man stands there, your shuttle car, you actually ride in the shuttle car.
1: Okay. Yeah. I think so, I've seen a bit of it.
2: Did you, but you're constantly, it's like roadways, you know, old dirt roads around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more you run over it, yeah, the rougher it gets. So, you can imagine riding on something that has no suspension.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, even that's hard on your body. Right. Everything's hard on your <laughs> right. body.
2: Yeah, you don't have no suspension. Um, you, the rubber tires that are on it are filled with rubber. Mm. It's not air. Mm. So you don't have no. The only suspension you have is what little bit of give your tires does give and the cushion on your seat, mm. which ain't much.
1: Now, you don't have to say it if you don't want to say it, but you told me in the car about going to the bathroom down there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you want to say it what going to the return well
1: ha- okay when i go caving so yeah. part of going caving is uh take it for boys and girls men and women to you gotta a you bring a bag for yeah. number two you bring a water bottle to pee
2: yeah no no you don't do that you you pee wherever yeah you do everything in the return your return airs where you go do your number two yeah
1: you just crap on the floor
2: yeah and then how and, you got know seven? And, and just think of this, and I've always tried not to think of it, but we, like I said, east to west, the coal seam normally runs downhill, east to west. So here we are, starting in the east and mining towards the west, and you got water and everything coming out of the top behind you, which where you've already mined, where everybody's done their business back there. So, which way's water flow downhill? So, it's flowing right right where you're working all the time. So,
1: the sewage is flowing across your feet. Oh, yeah. Now, are you guys spraying water to clean the rock as no. you work it, or is it natural? No, it's coming
2: out. Yeah, it's so coming out. it's like
1: caving. I've gone caving through streams and stuff right. like that.
2: Um, most of the time, it's like whenever you go underneath, you're mining underneath creeks and rivers. Mm. And once you get under, like, the that one mine I was at... Um, Whenever you're underneath a creek, you had about 180 to 200 foot of cover over you. Well, all that's cracked. You've got cracks running through there everywhere, um, and the water just pours out. I've seen water coming out of the top. We've had pumps. We've had pumps in every entry. You'd have seven entries, eight entries, have a pump in every one of them up in the face, pumping water out. Just so you can get up in there and mark.
1: I mean, do you ever accidentally just like break open a whole river?
2: Uh, no, like does
1: a river ever come tearing out of the sea?
2: No, <laughs> sometimes it looks like it, but no, I mean, it could happen. I mean, you could really get you could get run out of a place, yeah.
1: Now, one of the most incredible things you started telling me about, and I said, Stop, wait for the podcast, is you guys find fossilized trees.
2: Oh, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, um, they, ca- they call them kettle bottoms, is what it is, is a fossilized tree. And most time when they're up in the top, that's where you see them. But you can also see them that you at one point in time, sometimes a coal seam, you'll have two two coal seams close together and you've got a middle binder. Well, there's one time we was mining. And Wait, so what does
1: that mean? So, a middle so, binder, you'll so have. you've a, got rock you'll have, and you've got strips of coal in it.
2: You'll have a, like two foot of coal and then you'll have like a foot and a half or two foot piece of rock and then another two foot of coal above that so you're you you we are mining all that we're getting all that coal and one time the miner man he told me he said come here and look at this so I went over and looked at it and you can see the fossil in that the tree in that middle binder and he's like I'm gonna try to get that cut that out of there and take it home well he went and it broke we didn't get it but the tree actually come out of the bottom what, what you was walking on and it went up through the coal seam, up through the middle binder, and then you could see it in the top rock.
1: Wait, so what do you mean? Don't 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 they slip and they can kill people? Oh
2: yeah, the Don't talk about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got coal. It'll have coal right around the whole tree, just like a little layer of coal. And sometimes that stuff will get broke loose, and it'll come slipping out. Some of them's three, four foot long. It'll just slip right out of the, out of top. the ceiling, right? Out of the yeah, ceiling. and come down, and it'll hit you in the head and. There you go. So break it, everything. It's almost got.
1: like in Indiana Jones, where oh like,
2: yeah, yeah, just like a like hammer dip. coming down on you,
1: and it'll just slip on its own. Yeah, because it's in a sheath,
2: right in that coal, and that stuff. You just disturb it, and it breaks, and then it'll slide right out. Mm.
1: Now, do you find other fossils down
2: there? Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, horsetail grass is what. Uh, wow. Which that's what they. It's a big like grass. I looked it up one time.
1: It's still here.
2: Uh, There's yeah, horsetail. it's a herbalist will use it. Yeah, I know which. It's, it's, and it's not an the ancient. Same thing.
1: It's an ancient one. Oh, oh it's okay. different. This yeah. is different. Okay.
2: Yeah, if I don't, I have fossils of it at the house. Are you serious? But I looked it up, and that's what they called it. it was horsetail grass, um, tree, some kind of bush. I don't know what it is. It looks like it had big thorns on it, wow. and it's like a a tree, um, which I found some of it right there around the house in the creek. Fossils of it. But when you're in the coal mines, you can actually see the the thorns that come out on it, oh and yeah, gosh. it's pretty cool. And, and unfortunately, I've never found fish, but yeah. in the containing seam of coal, which is it's right there around the house, they said they have found fish fossils in the containing seam. How about like seashells and stuff? No, I've never found those seashells. Okay, I've seen them caving. No, I
1: found Most them. Most time in you
2: mountains. find that in li- limestone yep. around. Limestone. That's what.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what you're caving in limestone.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. Man, that's nuts. Now, were you gonna tell me about col like mining under a graveyard?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We it's what it's called is retreat mining or pillaring, whatever you want to call it, is what you, is what it is. Is where you'll drive up a place, uh, what they call a panel, and you got pillars. You leave pillars holding your top up, and uh, then you what they call bolt machine. You bolt the top. You put bolts in the top. Well, so you're like making a scaffolding uh well it's actually your, what they call beam building you're it's got glue, the bolts actually you put a stick of glue like forty eight inches of glue up in that hole, and then you put your bolt up in there, and you're actually gluing all that strata hmm. together but and then you go all the way across your entry with four bolts, five bolts, six bolts. It depends on how what your roof control plan is but anyway and that's what you're doing you're actually building a beam across you're making your top you're gluing it all together and you're making that beam well once you drive up you start we'll start pillaring back as you're going in you're mining your pillars out you're taking all that coal out from underneath but anyway the, as far as the graveyard you can't pillar underneath a graveyard and i think you have to be have to have 200 foot barrier so we had to go in there and build cribs all the way around that graveyard that was above us well we were sitting there we had a bunch of cribs to build it was lunchtime i was sitting over there and i eat my lunch and i heard some guys coming so i was like i just started talking and they come over and said what are you talking who are you talking to I said, that little boy and that little girl over there i said you not see them and he's like, man, shut up, you know. And we was just joking, but it wasn't real. But, yeah, <laughs> some people, it does spook, so. <laughs> you are pretending to talk to ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's it was funny. funny. That, that, that's the kind of stuff you do when you're underground. You just think of something funny or something, you know, to pass the time or – because, you know, you're – it's kind of depressing under there. So, mm. And I think a lot of times – I would joke around about stuff that you know, most people wouldn't really joke around about. You know, yeah,
1: they call it gallows humor.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I, people, that's what a lot of it is under there. A lot of people are like it. Mm. You know, you just find something to <laughs> joke about, mm. something just to try to get somebody. You know, keep the spirits up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, that was that was fun. Um, and there's a lot of times it wasn't so fun. I know. Uh, like I said, one time we was pillaring, and the hot, it all came in on us. Uh, Override our MRSs, uh, me and two of my friends. Um, I actually we took off running, and it was coming down in front of me as I was running, and I almost gave up. I actually looked at everything coming in, and and I looked up and said, "You know, we're going to die." And I actually quit running. I just kind of started walking and my brother-in-law, he was actually up there. He was running the minor. He had done pull back. He was up there jumping up and down screaming. Um, so I, I just took off running again and got up there and got in the intersection, and my brother-in-law was still screaming, and I, which I thought, you know, I'm good. I made it. And he was still back here screaming, telling us, get out of there, get out of there. Well, I turned around, and I, I noticed I was just still coming in, and I took off running again. But, yeah, that was—I actually should have been dead. All three of us should have been dead there. Um, and, honestly, if it wasn't further than the Lord, we would have been. He was the only, thing, only one that kept it up, honestly. That was—the so, bolts broke. Everything was broke. I mean, I don't know what was holding it.
1: So can you describe that more? When you say coming in, do you mean like the ceiling was yeah, caving in? everything. Describe that
2: more. Um At first, it starts with a little dribble. You'll start seeing some little rocks kind of falling, and then all of a sudden, it'll just take off, and it's what they call it. They call it a rip, and that's what it sounds like. It just sounds like ripping, and it just the loudest thunder or lightning. You know how lightning will kind of make it? That's what it sounds like, and, yeah, and it just everything's coming in. Bolts, your bolts are breaking. Your bolt heads are falling off. You're, uh, yeah. It's it's pretty intense. So it's a full-on cave-in. Yeah.
1: And so you're running down a tunnel as the ceiling is collapsing yeah. in on you. Yeah. And somehow you got to out mm-hmm. of the got collapse. Out. That's it. All three yeah. of you guys.
2: Yeah. Lost all the equipment that was up in there. We lost it. It all is gone. And I've seen that happen twice.
1: My God. I mean, what do you what do you think when that's happening? I mean.
2: Well, I at guess- the time, I thought I was dead. That's why I quit running. I'm dead. I ain't going to make it. And nah, people say, oh, you think about all this? No, I didn't think of nothing. I'm dead. That's what I thought. I'm dead. I ain't going to make it. Do you know anyone who has died in the mines? Um, I've never been hmm. uh, where somebody got killed. Um,
1: It's much safer today, right? Than like when you hear about the history of it. Oh, and yeah. Folklore. Because yeah. they're ghost stories. Yeah. So it's yeah, like there's West a, Virginia ghost stories. There's gone.
2: a mine, like, between here and where I live, which I used to hunt back in that country. It was actually a dog hole. It was only, like, 24 inches high. They said the ma- they they killed a man a day there. No. And that was during the Depression, and they said these people literally sat there and waited. To haul out a dead body. Dead body. That, and couldn't wait for somebody to die so they could get in their work. Oh.
1: That is, that's
2: hard. They sit there, they people lined up. They just sitting there waiting for a job.
1: Waiting for a dead guy to come out single in. Yeah. That is, that is hard. Talk about making yeah. a man hard. Yeah. I mean, that is
2: hard. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Man a day. They said that's what they averaged, a man a day. My God. That was back in the early 1900s.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So a little before
1: your granddad. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. But other than that, as far as... And I actually do work at a coal mine now. I work outside. My oldest son, I tried to keep him out of the coal mines as long as I could. Um, but he finally went in. And they, at the end of this month, he'll get his black hat. So he'll he's still an apprentice right now. And when I am outside there, I do. I look underneath. I look... At the entrance going in, I watch those men go in. Yeah, I want to go back in. You do? Yeah. Yeah, I I would. I'd like to, but.
1: Do you feel, do you, so, because I, we Mentally, sometimes. a
2: lot of it's prideful. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you get underneath there, yeah, a lot of it's pride. That's why I try to fight that.
1: Well, so, now you're, you're like running computers and stuff above me,
2: Yeah, I right? sit there and watch a computer sometimes. So, you
1: want to be doing something?
2: Yeah. Right. I want to be producing coal right now. Which they give me another job. I actually just unload trucks and stuff like that whenever they bring the supplies in. Um, but yeah.
1: Do you think you're feeling better from getting more sun? Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: But like I said, I did. I got down. I was got pretty depressed, and I, you know, I got to where I didn't have no energy at mm-hmm. all. Um, and I think a lot of that was from that and yeah yeah it was I think it played but and that's what I said I don't really want I want to go back underground I do but I don't so I just let the Lord lead me wherever he wants me to go if it's on the ground that's where I'm going to stay so mm. and it ain't bad money working on the surface but
1: mm. well if you've been able through this you're good you know, through your career as a miner, you've been able to, you guys have like a 100 acres, right? So you've yeah. got a great little chunk of yeah. property down there. Yeah,
2: I got a 100 acres, and then we got almost four acres here. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, the cabin right yeah. here. Um, and my, the boss did actually, the guy that runs mine, he actually told me the other day, he said, would you care to maybe start running supplies in for us? So I might, maybe that'd be my, you know, going underground for an hour, hour and a half, come back outside. Maybe that'll, you know, make me feel better.
1: Do you feel like the, so sometimes I wonder about like professions, right? Like jobs, if it's like a calling. Yeah. And so I've got a buddy, he's, he's Greek American. His father was lived in Greece. His father was a sailor and they came from a line of sailors, and when he was born, his mom moved to New York and the dad had to decide, am I going to stay a sailor or I'm going to raise my son, my family? So the dad moved to New York, but he was no longer able to, He, you know, didn't work in the shipyards or anything like that. He had changed gigs and he was always really mad. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you can just feel that that guy's like soul is right. a sailor. Do right. you feel like some part of you is a He's miner? He's a coal miner,
2: absolutely. Really?
1: Yeah. I mean, can you, is there yeah. any way to further, like, articulate that? Mm. It's just a part of you is this thing. That's it,
2: that's it. Wow. It's, that's part of me. Well,
1: yeah. you told me you're from Scotch, Your are S- yeah. ancestry. Yeah. I mean, there's so much mining history oh, yeah. back Based. in Britain. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, so and that, you wonder, and... it's like, and I, I wonder often, I, I personally am starting to really believe, like, in past lives, like, we can live through, I wonder how much, like, were you doing this in another life? Were you working in a silver mine in like in like Ireland, you know, in the sixteen hundreds?
2: <laughs> no, I don't believe that way. I <laughs> no, tell no, you
1: don't. But
2: <laughs> uh, I think God puts puts that in a man. I really do. I mean you gotta he put coal in this earth force to to mine. Mm. So and he's you know, um, did I maybe go too far, you know, I don't know. As far as uh, being prideful, you know, because man can be very prideful. Um, mm. So, and that's what I said. Maybe, maybe the Lord showed me that I wasn't as tough and mean and as what I was. I think that's one reason I did have problems. I just, yeah, I was prideful. Mm. Um, I wasn't the machine that I thought I was. I wasn't the, you know, invincible, invincible one. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think that that's my what i believe Mm. so
1: well let's get into i feel like we've been down in the underworld for like 40 minutes why don't we start talking about like how important nature is for you and you and you raising your sons and stuff like that we had some super cool conversations a car car talking about like uh doing the ginseng hunting when you were growing up i would love to hear about
2: that i started ginsenging when i was probably two years old two or three. yeah By the time I was five, I was by myself.
1: By yourself, ginseng, I think?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I was five, which this is, which we all know how ginseng is now. Um, When I was five, um, I remember finding one that was almost as tall as I was. Wow. It was a four prong, Um, which that was what we dug. I mean, big four prongs, big three prongs, them little three prongs that was two foot high, we left them. Mm. You know, they had to be, you know, standing, you know. But, yeah, I remember going through whenever I was four and five years old, man, I mean, just, which my dad worked roughly, he worked a lot of Saturdays. Well, uh, sang season opened in August, and we didn't get to sang but maybe three times a year, and we dig a pound of sang. Mm. Yeah, that's going out three times. Um, and then the, you know, older I got, I noticed, you know, the saying it was digging was smaller, just smaller, smaller. And we, well, you know, we'll start digging these ones. And before you know it, you know, you use digging stuff that, man, you wouldn't have normally dug, you know? Mm-hmm. And whenever I was, I was probably twenty, twenty 20, maybe 19, 20 years old. I'd went singing one time, and and I dug a pound of sang that year. And uh, but we we was singing in a place, and we found I found some nice sang. And I went on around the hill there, and I found where somebody else was gin singing. <sighs> and I got there, and they was digging everything, even the little three leaves, um, little old tiny two prongs and stuff. And I told my buddy, I said, man, I said somebody's in here digging all this stuff. And we went on around through there, and and they done that all over. I seen found where they was digging it. And that was pretty much the last time I ever actually dug sign for money. That was it. I said, I'm not I'm not doing it no more. Um
1: Well yeah, I mean the way you said it to me was it, it broke your heart yeah. seeing that. Yeah, so I you mean saw it was just a, just someone kinda like raping a project. Right, yeah.
2: I mean all, all these years my dad taught me, Okay, leave, 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 dig that and leave that, you know. Well, that was instilled in my mind, you know, that was like, you don't do that. And at the time, I don't think it was law that you had to, you know, there was no regulation on it. Um, but even, you know, whenever I was, my dad was regulating it, I was five years old, you know, leave that, leave that one, leave that one, let's take yeah, these a, two and go on.
1: There, there's like a law, unspoken law amongst Hunters and foragers and, and outdoorsmen, like th- what you're supposed to do and trappers. Right, right. Yeah.
2: So, and when I seen that, I mean, it was just, it shocked me, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. And, but that was, that was the last time I dug saying for, for, you know, I would dig it for municipal purposes, but as far as selling it, that was my last time. Um, you can even ask my boys, there's a lot of times, you know, once the uh, berries and stuff come on, if we'd be out squirrel hunting or whatnot, I would clip the leaves off, and then you know, because I didn't want nobody finding it. So mm-hmm. I, and a lot of times, you know, I'd but
1: you're the protector of the ginseng. Yeah, <laughs> <that's
2: what laughs> I tried to be anyway, but but yeah, that kind of stuff it bothered me, and and it just the way the world people are, I guess it just. I don't know. Which, I, I mean, I got some that I have right there at my house. Growing some. Growing, yeah. Yeah, we
1: planted a little, bit That's too.
2: like my, I can protect that. It'll be there, you know, so.
1: But that's your medicine right there for you and your family.
2: Right, if need be, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, I and my boys know it somewhat. Um, my wife, she'll sit there. Is that saying? Uh, no, honey. That's creeper. Is that <laughs> saying? No. So it's creeper hey, Jack in the pulpit. Jack in the pulpit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, my, my neighbor, actually, I'll tell you the story. Last year, um, well, he's not really my neighbor yet, but they're building a log home up at Hollerder from me. And there was another guy I'd met, um, actually showed you his picture out in Colorado. Oh, the... The m- one that had the mountain. Bobcat load. trapper and, and... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, said he was a pretty wild guy. <laughs> yeah.
2: He was up there doing dozer work, and I went up there to see him, and... He got off dozer. He said, You'd never believe what uh what's his name, um Chad. He said, You never believe what Chad brought me. He said, Here he come with a big old pot of red berries. He said he thought he had him some ginseng and he said he come up there and I he said I told uh, poor old Chad, he said, Chad, he said, That's Jack in the pool pit. He said, But I, I actually took some berries and stuff. From mine up to Chad, so maybe he can get him some started up there where he's at.
1: But, well, a plant, start a little patch.
2: Yeah, yeah. But he, he said he was, Chad was all smiles because he thought he found a gold pot of red berries. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jack in the pool pit, yeah. But yeah. Um, Did you grow up doing any other root digging? Yeah, blood root really? and golden seal, yeah.
1: I've only seen golden seal once in the woods. Mm.
2: Well, I don't, I, yeah, I've never, actually never found any around here. Um, this was up in the Cranberry. Once I get to know you a little bit better, I'll show you some saying. I found <laughs> I found a little where we are. Yeah, I'll show you some saying.
1: I drank, in your honor, so I found my first one last year. I yeah. got the permit, and so I dug one root just for us, and I put it in, uh, I tinctured it, like right. the herbalists do. Right. So I took a little sip of that. It's in, it's in you know it's in the high proof alcohol with right, honey right i drank a little or i took a little strong a little sip before coming here yeah. in your honor
2: good good so you would also do bloodroot we yeah. you see that on the along the roads yeah it's everywhere around here in bloodroot yeah
1: so when when growing up was that like a pretty good chunk of money for the family to have a pound Yeah actually thin cuz
2: my dad had five kids which he did make good money mm. but whenever you got a big vehicle payment Mm-hmm. um my house payment you know five kids it took every bit of it, it helps so yeah whenever we ginsenged and dug blood root and yellow root that was what my dad bought you know like boots hunting boots mm-hmm. shells stuff like that that's what we bought all that stuff with. so
1: the extra is kind of like the extra money for right the fun stuff
2: right yeah that's cool yeah
1: now were would you guys do pelts? Were you trapping for? No, for we, money? Didn't,
2: we didn't trap a lot. We I didn't trap none. I didn't start trapping until I was like 17 years old. Um my dad, he actually wasn't really familiar with trapping. He didn't like it. He always said it broke their feet and which maybe whenever he was younger he seen it, you know. I, I but once I learned you know, you put uh, swivels on your chains. I have uh, like four swivels on my trapping chains. So, therefore, you know, if one swivel plugs up, you got another one that's going to take. Yeah. It so, place. If someone
1: listening who doesn't know anything about trapping, there's a whole bunch of the modern trapper guys doing it today. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do from
2: oh yeah kinds of
1: traps, adding these little swivels, ro- swivels yeah, so like little yeah, yeah. and all of this is is for you know the
2: animal welfare right, kind of right, thoughts. Yeah, I don't mean that. I don't, but, yeah. Nobody likes, no one no, wants to hurt an animal. No, and that's that. what my dad, I don't know if my dad, you know, was around somebody younger that didn't know how to trap and maybe seen some stuff he didn't like. So, yeah, my dad would never let us trap. Mm-hmm. But once I started, my dad was like, you yeah, know, this is not what I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my dad is even into trapping now. Um, he actually, he's almost 80 years old, He caught some red foxes this year, which he caught them, took them out of the trap, and turned them loose. He didn't want to kill them, so, you know, they ain't hurt. They're still out there running around, so, Mm -hmm. but yeah. um, and But hunting and trapping, never did trap much when I was younger, but ginsenging, squirrel hunting, turkey hunting, you all that I did.
1: Did you guys raise any animals?
2: Uh, No, we lived in a... Little housing development. Oh, you're in town. Mm, well, yeah, I guess you'd call it a town. Now, my dad, before my dad actually got knocked off a telephone pole, broke his back, hmm. so he had to kind of. He did raise cow cattle, hmm. and you know, we did live on a farm. I was a year old whenever hmm. he left all that. Um, but yeah. I we di- we didn't start farming and stuff again until me and my wife got married and we bought that little farm and had some land to do it and then What
1: started. are you guys doing now? You got you said you got chickens, you got a whole chickens, bunch of chickens.
2: Chickens, yeah, pig. Oh really? Yeah. The pig ain't I don't <laughs> I had I raised pigs one time and honestly it was like a dog and my neighbor, I couldn't kill it. Because, I mean, it was just like a dog. And I was like, man, I can't kill that pig. So my neighbor, he was like, are you going you gonna to butcher that pig? And I said, no, I don't think I will. He said, I'll bite off of you. I said, well, buddy, there you go. So he come up and butchered it. So, yeah. But no, I got too close to it. I didn't mean to. It was just like a dog. I mean, it was, they're smarter than a dog, really. But, yeah. As long as I don't raise it, yeah, it don't bother me none.
1: Yeah, we tried to do rabbits, and I felt so bad. I couldn't I couldn't kill it either. I yeah, gave it away to some homesteaders.
2: That rabbits, you know, my mom. I got no
1: problem shooting a wild rabbit, but no. when you're petting them every day, it's like, it, kind of like, oh, man.
2: Honestly, that's how I got into trapping was I rabbit hunted all the time, which I didn't use dogs. I just stomped around the brush, jumped them up, shot them, mm. you know. But, man, it got to the point where I'd be, you know, tracking rabbits down in the snow, and you'd see fox tracks, and then there you'd be what's left of a rabbit, or you'd see blood, and you'd track a fox down, and he would run two, 300 yards away and start eating a rabbit. So, and I was like, man, I'm going to get rid of it. You know, they're eating my rabbits up. So I started a fox trap, and that's how I got mm. into and I meant to tell you that earlier, but, hmm. um, but, yeah, um, what was we on?
1: Talking about the getting too close to that pig.
2: Oh yeah, pig. <laughs> yeah. So I don't do pigs much anymore, but
1: interesting. I've done. I've taken part in a hog slaughter, like a fall slaughter. Yeah. It was pretty fascinating. It was my it was before I'd ever killed a deer, so it was my first time seeing like a large animal go from a living animal to fifteen hours of work with like twenty people and then seeing a package of food because right. we, we uh, freeze wrapped them into we yeah. made sausages yeah. and then we shrink wrapped them but it was a pretty incredible experience but yeah I've never raised an animal knowing that I'm going to kill it
2: I was going to tell you too my my grandma on my mom's side she had a bunch of pens and that's why she she raised rabbits and she actually traded rabbits for other things she had like I don't know. I think my mom said at times 150 rabbits. Really? Yeah. She had a little club out there, and, my, and she just got through there. She grabbed her little club and pulled rabbit out. If that's what they was having for dinner, she'd just club it in the head. And <laughs> they couldn't fix it, but yeah, fresh. She fresh had food. like she had. They had pens lined, and I remember my mom saying, you know, the mink and weasels would sometimes get into the pens and, and cut the rabbits' throats and kill them all. Yeah. I'm sure. Drink the blood off of them. <laughs> so.
1: is that what they say that they do?
2: Yeah. They yeah, drink their throat.
1: Yeah. And drink it. Yeah. I love all those weasels. They're crazy. Yeah. Um well we, we started talking about your grandma. Was she yeah. the one that would do the the special design on the
2: yeah. on the pies? On the pies. Talk about yeah. that. Because I love yeah. like the folk ways, food ways. My mom, whenever she makes a pie, it's it's a certain mark on the pie. And she always, she, I never didn't understand why she'd done it, but whenever she'd cut her pie crust, which whenever you bake a pie, you have to have holes in the crust or it will, you know, I guess blow up or don't really blow up, but it will bust, you know, start running out. So you cut marks in the pie crust, and that was the mark. If you went to a, somewhere like a church dinner or somewhere, you everybody knew whose mark It was. That's how they knew whose pie it was. And that my mom, that's what she still makes that cut in her pie crust to and that's that's their mark.
1: And she got that from her mom.
2: Right. So it's your
1: family signature. That's my mom's right. Yep. That's cool. Are you carrying it on? You gotta carry it on.
2: I don't I don't even know it. I guess my wife will have to You gotta learn the signature. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I r kinda know exactly how I mean I kinda know how it is, but but yeah, it's uh,
1: now did they do like did your grandma? Where was she she was out on a farm, the one with all the rabbits i, mean, I guess yeah, so, if you got a yeah, they lived rabbits. right
2: along a, a river um and they, my grandpa actually raised hogs, he raised hogs, she raised um rabbits um which he uh i think he he had some horses too, if I ain't mistaken. Mm. But, yeah, he raised hogs, she raised rabbits, and they all had chickens, which everybody had chickens.
1: Did but, they do any of their own medicine, like from yeah, from plants and stuff? yeah, do you remember that's what my mom
2: stuff? she always you know people talk about golden seal, yellow root, there's actually a yellow root, and it grows along the river, mm. and that down there along the river right, it's plumb full of it mm. and uh she uh that was her their medicine whenever she was. Uh, younger with sore throats and all that was that yellow root that river i call it river yellow root but it's actually really just called yellow root and golden seal is what people call yellow root but it's actually golden seal but yeah you can look it up it's you know how they what they did same they just boiled it you know boiled boiled it it. yeah made them like a tea oh okay they made tea out of it yeah oh that's cool yeah that's cool and that's what I do with golden seal is I just put a little bit in a cup of hot water and just let it, so it turn seep and then drink it for sore throats or mm-hmm. whatever else
1: um, well, so your dad is a preacher, right yeah. And, yeah, and you said last week you were doing um you were doing the preaching
2: yeah what? yeah he he actually went in, I think it was last Monday. He had to go to the doctor. He'd been having a lot of chest pains, which he's got. He's had open-heart surgery. He's got a pacemaker, and he was having some problems, so he went. and I guess he wasn't feeling real good, so he asked me if I would take care of the preaching for him last Sunday. So, yeah. How many folks came out? Uh, they was, I don't know, maybe 12, 15. And w- so what did you— what was
1: your, like? What did you, how did you know what to?
2: Do you just freestyle? I just read? Yeah, I was actually. I told my wife, I was like, "Honey, I ain't got nothing." And man, I mean, I was, I was, you know, uh, here I is Saturday, and ain't got nothing. Well, I woke up at like three o'clock that morning, and yeah, it started coming to me. Really? So, yeah. Like what? So like scripture that I'd read and I was like, okay, I got to find where I read that. And so I started reading it. A lot of us revival, you know, this country is really, I mean, nobody's happy. Um, You can see that in, you know, everybody's foul, you know, I mean, it's hard to find anybody that's in a good mood. I mean, I don't know mm. how you are. Mm. I don't know if you see it or not, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just, so I preached on revival. So,
1: what, so what exactly does that mean? I'm not too familiar with that.
2: Revival was growing is where, up.
1: I, I, we were Catholic a little bit, and then we were Presbyterian.
2: Right. Um, revival is where your saved people, your saved people, are in the church. You know, you know uh, they're just kind of dead. They're they're living like the world. If you read in your Bible, you know. Um, a lot of in Joel and and a lot of them Old Testament books, you know, where they they talk about repenting for you know where you turn against God, uh, your sins and stuff, you know. So and that's what I, that's what I preached on, you know, turn them back to God. Um, and in Joel, you know, it talks about. That's where I went as far as, as it says, you know, he'll he'll restore your the years that the that the canker worms had ate and the caterpillars and the locusts, you know, had ate. And I think that's where America is today. I mean, I really you know, I think God quit blessing us hmm. to a point and uh you know, he's still showing us mercy, but yeah, I believe that's where where we are as a country.
1: Hmm. God has turned his back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Why? Just the way society is. Mm. Um, Punishment. Um, well, well, yeah. Mm. I believe that. Mm. I mean, it's happened before. So. Mm. so how did it go last
1: week? What, like, how did the the dozen plus people respond to
2: your... Uh, well, you a couple of soon? them said, I think I probably better open my eyes up a little bit. Mm. So, it cheered Did it cheer them up? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Are
1: you like doing that? Yeah, like I would say that, you or know, or... they're like,
2: uh, maybe, maybe we ought to maybe start thinking about this because I think, I mean, I have, I've thought about it. I know where I went in my life. I went from, you know, trusting in the Lord for everything to to trusting in myself and kind of going right along with the worldly things. Uh, it's easy to, it's easy to do. Um, and like I said, you can read in the Bible. There's a lot of places there where that's happened. And God has, you know, cast judgment down on. A lot of times, you know, it was Israel, what they call, you know, he he cast judgment down on it. But he always, once they repented for the way that they was living and the things that they was doing, then, yes, uh, he restored them.
1: So you were saying you had a period in your life where you kind of
2: Oh yeah, didn't drifted think away. About God yeah, didn't, well, it's not that I didn't think it. about God. Um, it's just I didn't need him. Yes, mm. didn't need him like I used to. I know? try
1: to be saying when things are going great. I'm trying to be like, hey, thank you. You know, right. gratitude, gratitude. Right. Like right. always, remember. Right. Not not just asking him, whatever God is. Right. Not asking for that. Um, only when things are crap, right? like saying like, you know, man, things are going great. Thank you so much.
2: Right. And that's where, that's where, you know, it was me. I put more, I guess, relied on myself, my wit, my brain, my, Mm. you know, and before I didn't, you know, it's like whenever me and my wife first got married, man, we didn't have nothing, you know, and I relied on the Lord. For everything. And then he, you know, like I said, he blessed me. I was making, you know, $30 an hour working in the coal mines. Well, you know, you kind of, you know, everything's going good. So maybe.
1: And that's that pride you're talking about right? Before, right? Pride. pride is oh, a sin.
2: Yeah. It is. And so the, I it guess is.
1: the sin of pride is you think you that's, don't need God.
2: Right. Okay. Right. That's, yeah. Um, not saying I didn't need him, but I didn't. Rely on him mm. for everything, and and that's the worst sin really there is mm. is pride. And if you go back, you know you got the Ten Commandments, um, the all of them. The first one is Thou shalt not have no other god before me. Now all the rest of them after that, you are putting stuff before God, so it's all adultery. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of what I... Idolatry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, all re- it all boils, goes back to idolatry. You know, not always putting something else before God. So I try not to, you know. So, but yeah.
1: Have you ever seen like um, a miracle or anything like that at church? Like I've interviewed, I don't know, quite know what you're denomination is like but i've interviewed other people in appalachia who've seen like an exorcism they do the i forgot pentecostal what pentecostal yeah you know it's like driving yeah. out like a demon you know yeah. in in the middle of their church service it's just yeah, like, wild never, never, like, that
2: is wild i've never experienced anything like that but but yeah i mean their spirits um i honestly as far as yeah i believe some people are but you gotta let the spirit in, you know what I mean. And we all we all have spirits that we shouldn't let come in. You got the spirit of jealousy, spirit of mm. hatred, spirit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Okay. And and it, and and it even talks about that in the Bible. You know, all this, you know, uh, jealousy, hatred, um, all that. So yeah, you gotta really watch what you're doing. I mean, they're there. They're influencing you in some way or another i don't care you know who you are you're gonna be tried or or um i guess uh,
1: i guess when we before we were starting i was telling you how i really like to hear people have had like a religious experience like a very potent like a very uh otherworldly experience where it's like right. so so meaningful and profound I mean I guess you kind of already said that when the right. s- ceiling was caving in in the yeah. mind it's like that is obviously somewhat of a religious experience because something helped you guys out of there
2: oh yeah yeah and uh, honestly um, the best experience I ever had was when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior that was it that's that's it. I mean, and like I said, I haven't always been what I should have been. But yes, whenever I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, yeah, that was the, like the best experience. And you can't go on feelings because it's not just feelings. I mean, feelings is is a uh, um, is the aftermath of something. You know, I mean, that's just like if you killed a big twelve point buck. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you killed the buck, right? So what's the the aftermath is your feeling, right? Mm. So yeah, my salvation is it. That's what I go on.
1: Did something lead up to it?
2: Yeah, the Holy Spirit talking to me, saying mm. I was lost. You need, you know, you're you're a sinner. You need saved. So was this. I was seventeen years old.
1: Mm. Yeah. Were you getting into trouble or something? No. Mm.
2: No, I'm the best. I don't care who you are, the best person in the world. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're lost. So Mm. that's, that's, so it don't matter. You know, the Bible says, you know, none of us are good. We're all our best worth work is as filthy rags. So yeah, it don't matter. You could have been the best person there is but you all you have done something you have you you know sinned we're all sinners that's why mm. we well, need well, Jesus Christ yeah. every one of us definitely true definitely true. I'm, and I'm chief of them all mm.
1: yes yes well how does your you know I think it's so interesting I, a lot of a lot of uh you know Outdoorsmen that I really respect are many of them are ex- very Christian. Oh yeah. And um, how does your belief in God and your faith relate to nature? And, um, or even, you know, when we talked before, you would be like, you know, you're in the mines all the time. You kind of would tell me what this means to you, nature. Like this was your way of
2: yeah. taking a break. This was my, yeah, my way out yeah as far as stress and it was stress life stress period i'd come up here and work on this my little cabin and work on cleaning this stuff up yeah it was just like a release a lot of times i'd go we'd go months and i wouldn't even be able to come up here because i had to work Hmm. um so yeah and it was just like a getaway but uh, yeah, as far as hunting and stuff, yes, yeah, very. I think God's with you. Um, he he actually killed. He was the first one to kill when Adam and Eve sinned. He killed and dressed them with skin whenever they found out they was naked. So yeah, he was the first one to do it. Hmm. So what do you mean? What did he kill? Uh, what was it? He killed. Uh,
1: Is this one Uh, of the Bible stories?
2: Sacrificed, yeah, he sacrificed. Yeah, that was that was during, in the Garden of Eden. Yeah,
1: huh? Nice. Gave them a nice pelt to wear.
2: Yep, that's it. I'm not familiar, but that was the the blood sacrifice. It had to be. Yeah, Hmm. I. Well, I just one of these days, man, you'll just sit and talk. Well, I'm coming to church tomorrow. Yeah, because I thought it
1: would be kind of cool to hear your
2: dad preach. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's kind of why we're all. And my brother and my nephew and niece, I know they're coming, and and that's why we're trying to come. I don't know how many more my dad's going to preach. You know, I don't know. So and that's that's kind of why we're we're all going to be there tomorrow. So so what is the what denomination is it? Baptist. The Baptist yeah.
1: is that when when you see those like beautiful pictures with doing the baptisms in the creeks.
2: A lot of them, yeah. Well, there's actually one, my mom, they got one hanging in the church there. It was probably back in the, I would say, 40s or 50s. Hmm. Uh, they actually had a baptizing right there in the creek by the church. And there's a picture of it, it there. At
1: the church that I'm going to go to tomorrow. Yeah,
2: yeah you see Man, that's it.
1: cool. Have you ever done or been to one of those baptisms?
2: Oh, yeah. There's yeah, river we baptisms? To, the river?
1: Like where they do them in the rivers or Oh creeks. yeah, you've been yeah. to those. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I would yeah. love to go to one of those. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, have you seen the incredible movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful how they do yeah. that scene. Um, but I would love to see one of those. That's so cool. So cool.
2: But yeah, it's it's, it's. I like church. I mm-hmm. do. I really do. Uh, and I I love the Lord, and I thank Him for it. Do you find that um
1: people are becoming less religious out oh, in the yeah. country? Oh yeah. I see, I moved out here thinking everyone's gonna be super Christian. Mm-mm. I don't feel that. I, feel, I used to be. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. And That's I mean, why I we grew need up revival. In the
1: suburbs. I grew up in the suburbs. We went to church every yeah. Sunday. Um well, you, I do think that when you die, there's some kind of judgment where it's like, did you did you at uh, least attempt? You know, I, I feel if you're a ho- super if you're Killing people, if you're a serial killer, there's no way you die. It's the same thing as if you're trying to be a good person.
2: It's just if that if that serial killer, if he would repent for what he done, that's what the Bible says is repent. That's part of revival. Repent and and ask God to forgive you. He'll go to heaven. But same as same, Right. He go to heaven. Same as the man that done two wrong things in his life but that two if that man had done two wrong things if he done one wrong thing in his life and didn't accept Jesus Christ as his savior he'll die and go to hell
1: Mm.
2: that's the Bible (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) repentance
1: yeah sure sure yeah it's all I find it all very fascinating I like hearing what people's spiritual beliefs are even if they're different than mine and stuff like that I just like hearing about it um well, I guess we could kind of wrap it up here. Okay. But do you have any wild story from growing up, anything crazy? I have folk stuff. You know, I'm always like, you know, I love the the thing about the pies or any kind of crazy thing. No, I
2: do have one, one ghost story for you. I know Are you, you said, yeah.
1: Let's hear it. Okay.
2: Whenever I was younger, man, you scared me plumb to death. But in, it was in the early nineteen hundred like 1920s, maybe. Um, right there where my dad, below where my dad grew up and above where my mom grew up on that road. It was actually the Nicholas County uh, sheriff actually got killed there. And it was moonshiners that killed him. But that really did happen. Um, The sheriff went in there to catch catch him running the steel. Um, Apparently, they was tipped off that he was coming, so they was waiting on him. At times, I think it was other moonshiners. One bunch of moonshiners told on these ones, and then these ones had a little bit of friends the way it was all intermingled. But, yeah, and they said that happened a lot back in... One bunch would tell on another bunch to get them caught, so therefore they could sell more. From what I always heard was he went in there to catch the guys, and they was waiting on him. And the guy had a double-barrel 12-gauge, and I guess was sitting there waiting on him, which there's a bunch of laurel and stuff in there. So I'm sure he probably point-blank just blowed his head off and which they all scattered and i guess eventually they did catch the man that done it because they was more than one man there so and and, so really i don't know other than that what 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 all i was told but the spring was still there And my dad said whenever he was um growing up the barrels was still there from the spring or from the from the uh steel um and then eventually, you know, they start rotting. But my dad, the one he he told me, he said, yeah, was, he said, whenever I was walking home, he said, I was walking up the road. And he said, I got right there and I heard footsteps behind me. And he said, so I kind of started walking a little bit faster. And he said, I could hear them footsteps was even faster. He said, so I took off running. He said, and the faster and the harder I run, he said, I could hear it behind me just running just harder and faster. He said, I got up there next to the house, and then he turned around and grabbed me, he said, and it was my dog. So, yeah. But anytime, anytime we drove down there, we'd go see my grandpa, um, and I hated to drive down there at night. I remember my dad, he'd be like, we'd leave my grandpa start driving down there, and I'd be like, man, let's turn around and go up the hill. Let's go up the hill. But we never did. We always had to drive down there by where that spring was because I used that spring. That spring was where the water Come out of the hill, and they would. That's where they cooled their their uh, worm. Used the water to cool it down. You got your steel, and then you got you know you build your fire, and then you got your copper worm. That's your coil that runs into your um, barrel. Yeah, so you use that spring to run that. Use it for the for the worm and their mash. and but. And that's, there's a lot of places around there where I grew up, where my dad grew up. All them old little hollers and stuff, you always found rings, barrel rings. And that, that was a thing that a lot of people done, was made moonshine. Um, my great-grandpa did, and my dad said he didn't know. Whenever he was four years old, his grandpa would come get him. Well, he had three steels up a holler, and he would get him and they'd walk up there he said only thing he knew because he always carried a coffee pot with him too was they was up there building a fire and he was making coffee on the fire but he said he had a steel there and my, my dad said i didn't know what it was i just thought i was up there paw paw drinking coffee and doing whatever he was doing He, he drank a lot of it, too, though, I think, and my dad, yeah. Uh, Man, I'll tell you a story. My dad told me they went to the smokehouse, and his grandpa went and cut off a big old piece of, it was uh, bacon or something, and it wasn't cured. My grandpa would just put it in there, and he'd cut a piece off of it and give it to my dad, and he, he ate some of it. And my dad said he got worms. My dad did. And it was. He, my dad said he got, he was sick. Where he ended up in the hospital because he had not got worms so bad. Which pork is, you know, it's got a lot of worms in it. And uh, but his grandpa didn't. He said the only reason he didn't get worms because all that moonshine killed it. Killed killed the worms. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, I think we've had a good combo here. Yeah. I Thank enjoyed you. it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You you said you would pray whether or not to do this. I did. And what did you put How
2: long did it take? It took a long time, didn't it? How yeah,
1: what was the response?
2: Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. go. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. Well, um, yeah, it's been awesome. I'm glad I didn't start crying. Most of the time I start crying, of course I did a little bit when I start talking about Jesus and all that. Yeah. But but I I I did a little bit. I teared up but did you? Yeah, I, I, point. yeah, I almost. Yeah, when I started talking about my salvation and stuff, yeah, I mean, not really. I was, mm. I was, I fought it.
1: Well, I wish you didn't. <laughs> I've had people cry on the podcast a lot. Yeah, of right. older men for sure.
2: Yeah, I almost did. I, uh, I think I'm, my wife probably knows I was getting ready too.
1: She's shaking her head. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful anything of, in, there. You know, Ed Graham Poe. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. he has a quote that for a sensitive person. Uh, Anything of incredible beauty will bring bring them to tears. So of course, having a relationship with the divine is going to, you know, render a person to tears. Yeah,
2: of course. And as I said, when I read my Bible, I mean, there's times, man, I can't, I can't not cry. I mean, it's like Jesus sitting there talking to you, Mm -hmm. you and it is. It's not like he is; he is talking to you. But
1: so it just feels so profound, or so meaningful, or something. And
2: that's the thing. Sometimes I read it, and it it Cuts me plumb to the bone. I'm like, man, I gotta straighten up. You
1: know? mm.
2: And that's what the Bible's there for. It's for correction. Um, Do you
1: yeah. have an example of that.
2: Yeah, just uh, well, like I said, spirit of anger. Mm. I'm one, you know, um anything, any you can go through there and it shows you all kinds of, you know, um uh idolatry. That's putting anything mm. anything before, before God. God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's serving any, say, you know, Hey, this is the God of, uh, air. This is, that's adultery, you know, mm-hmm. um, even myself, I actually put my wife and kids before God. I actually, I'm just going to tell you, I actually worshiped my kids and wife more than I did God. That was another thing that, you know, God got my attention on. Mm-hmm. I, that's wrong. I shouldn't have done that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. still very beautiful to have right. such reverence for your family.
2: Whenever God's in His spot, then everything else will fall in line. Uh, yeah. But. Well,
1: I think it's beautiful that you that having feeling that reverence for your family. I mean, for one, me, I grew up where I effing hated my mom and my dad. Yeah. So when I see you, when I, we went trapping you know, and you're, here's your teenage son who seems like he wants to be there with you and you're both trapping and fishing together. To me, that's like incredible to see because when I was his age, like that, there's no, like the, my goal would be to be as far away as possible, especially for my dad, but my mom too, just I have no interest yeah. in my family. So me seeing so a lot of, especially rural people, but you know how important family is and to oh, see yeah. how awesome of a dad you are, you know? Yeah. Sometimes awesome. I don't
2: feel like I'm an awesome dad, well, but...
1: Well, clearly... Right. I don't know what... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's many difficulties, but it's yeah. cool just to see that. Yeah. There's nothing... There's no common interests, you know, with me and my dad. There's yeah. no common interests. Just to see you guys, like, running your little trap line or going fishing,
2: that's awesome. Yeah. That's totally cool. Yeah, um, we used to do a whole lot of it, but... And I know kids grow up. Um, they're going to do their own thing, mm-hmm. so... And that's another thing I always, you know, they was right there with me. I wasn't going to let them get hurt.
0: A little girl woke up deep in the dark and started crying. The mother brought a light and held her daughter tight. She thought it was so strange to hear. A little girl of nine cried, Call daddy from the mine Call daddy from the mine Her mother wiped the tears and said See honey, you're only dreaming Your dad must work today He has to draw his pay She left her then But still could hear her cry time after time Call daddy from the mine Call daddy from the mine Then the countryside was shaken By a mighty rumble And feared for miles around Was the trembling of the ground The little girl was fast asleep Yet cried out one more time Call daddy from the mine Call daddy from the mine Ten thousand tears And two weeks later Deep in the smoking ground A dying man was found had survived all those around. He quickly crawled to a fresh air pocket, barely just in time, when he heard his own child whine, call daddy from the mine, call daddy from the mine, call daddy from the mine. mine."